1: welcome to picks and parlays radio here on the sports byline broadcast network i'm your host chelsea messenger you can find me here every day one pacific four eastern and also on twitter at chelsea messenger is my handle also check us out on all of those social media platforms that you waste time on uh if you search picks and parlays we're very easy to find usually the first thing that pops up so even if you're lazy it's really easy to find us Uh, Today is Monday, September 16th. Hope you had a great weekend. I know it was kind of a wonky weekend when it came to college football. Uh, I know the big game on the slate was Iowa-Iowa State, which I was trying to watch, but it was a rain or thunder or lightning, some kind of weather delay, and I was forced to watch Arizona State, Michigan State, which was an absolute dumpster fire of a game. (laughs) A lot of underdogs uh, with big wins. In college football including BYU we'll be talking about their next game uh, today in our college football talk but just to run things down for you today uh, segment one we're doing NFL week three opening lines and a little bit of Monday night football that game uh, between the Browns and the Jets which I've mentioned dumpster fire in the segment already but you could call that one along the same lines because uh, the Jets have a lot, a lot, a lot of injuries, uh, including their quarterback, Sam Darnold, who's out with mono, of all things. We'll take a look at that line and see if it, if it accurately reflects his absence or if they're overcompensating. Uh, second segment, we're doing baseball with Sean Higgs because we do have two weeks left in the regular season of baseball and still plenty of ways to win uh, money on a daily basis. And then finally, college football with Tony T., Uh, We've got three games to look at, including the Thursday night game, Houston at Tulane. Uh, And over the weekend, well, it was a rough start uh, to the season for quarterbacks. The big news today, of course, Steelers quarterback Ben Roethlisberger is now out for the season. He needs elbow surgery. And then Saints quarterback Drew Brees expected to miss six weeks uh, after tearing a ligament in his hand. So some tough news for fans of those teams. When we get back from the break, we're talking NFL Week 3 opening lines here on Picks and Parlays Radio. Stick with us after the break. And we are back here on this Monday afternoon on Picks and Parlays Radio on Sports Byline Broadcast Network and also streaming live on YouTube, Twitter, and Facebook if you're watching that way. Hello. I'm waving hello to you guys. Uh, Let's start off the show today with our NFL opening line report for week three we've got craig trapp joining us craig how was your weekend
2: not the best weekend i ever had uh, <laughs> when it comes to handicapping i had it seems like every tough loss yesterday every tough loss on saturday right at the end uh, when it gets me but you know that's just part of this business and you have to put it behind you turn the page and start winning uh tonight and in the future
1: right you got to play the long game uh let's talk about this opening line report Uh, We've probably seen some big changes in some of the lines because of these quarterback injuries with Big Ben being out for the rest of the season, and Drew Brees expected to miss at least six weeks. Uh, Are those some of the big movements you've been seeing, or are there other games uh, that have had notable movement?
2: Well, those are the biggest two-line moves. Uh, Pittsburgh at San Francisco, obviously, like you said, Big Ben uh, elbow surgery out for the year. Uh, went from a pick'em game to now San Francisco favorite at home by seven. The total also moved down from 46.5 to 45.5, and I think both of those are justified after where, what we've seen really in Pittsburgh so far, and, and really San Francisco has looked pretty good so far.
1: Right. Pittsburgh has not looked good even with Big Ben. Uh, their offenses looked stagnant at times, and they're really missing, I think, Antonio Brown, uh, just his presence, like I've mentioned before, even if he's not – Uh, making plays he's at least a decoy Uh, and Juju is now the number one receiver and he's probably getting the number one uh, corner DB number one defender and that's a tough transition to make Uh, let's talk about the other ones Uh, Browns Jets have we seen that line move because of Sam Darnold uh, being out with mono
2: Yes, and that game is, of course, for tonight, um, for the end of week two and Monday night football. We have seen this line move from, I think it was the opening line. Yeah, opening line was two and a half by Cleveland with a total of 45 and a half. Now everybody has it at six and a half and 45 and a half still. So uh, I was kind of surprised. I kind of thought this might move to the key number of seven, but it, it, didn't, it hasn't quite got there. And I don't see the juice uh, getting too high. So I don't expect this game to move off that six and a half number for game time tonight.
1: Do you think that line movement is justified? Because Sam Darnold, he has a high ceiling, but he's certainly not Drew Brees or Ben Roethlisberger.
2: Yeah, but I mean, Cleveland, even though they did not look good last week, they had a ton of momentum as far as the the betting public headed into this week. So I think if they didn't move this line immediately, they would have gotten so much action uh, right away on Cleveland that they probably wouldn't have been able to move the line enough to keep the action close to even.
1: So you think that line movement's not just because of uh, Sam Darnold being out, but more that Cleveland was not getting as much credit as I guess they were due?
2: Right. I mean, I think this line would have moved to three either way, Uh, maybe even that three and a half number. I just think uh, home dogs on Monday night get a lot of respect. And uh, even I see a lot of people, um, a lot of the public I've seen out on on some of the forums today and in in our groups uh, over at Facebook and talking to how much they like the Jets as an underdog here. Even some people like them outright. So I think they're, they're getting pretty equal action here. I don't think that line's going to move. And uh, we'll give a free pick after we talk about some of these other line movements for Week 3.
1: All right, so let's talk about some of these other line movements. I would imagine the Dolphins have to be one after I think I saw the stat that they're getting outscored 102-12, to 12, something like that. They've just been absolutely blown out. Uh, and granted, they've played two good good teams in the Patriots and the Ravens, but man, can they keep this up?
2: <laughs> well, they're on a historic bad pace. I mean, most teams don't start tanking or what they call tanking in the NFL until like week 10, 11. No, no, they're starting week one. And we've seen this line, this line opened at 16. They're Miami's at the Cowboys this week. And now it's all the way to 21. I see a lot of juice here on this one. I expect this one to maybe even come off that 21 number. And last week we saw this one was one of the bigger line movements. And uh, I don't see anything slowing this one down as Miami is just really bad right now.
1: Uh, Speaking of teams that looked really bad uh, going into the season, the Cardinals actually were pretty close uh, with the Ravens this weekend, which was surprising to a lot of people just because uh, the Ravens have been so good and they're considered one of the better teams uh, in these first few weeks of the NFL. Do you see the Cardinals line moving any?
2: No, I think this week. I think it's going to. St- it's right now. It's uh, Arizona opened at two and a half. Um, I do think it'll stay pretty close to that number. Um, I don't see the total moving either in this one. So I- I'd say Arizona. You know what they did look good is they can really. And uh, you know they can pass the ball the shorter intermediate routes and. I think that's going to be good against a Carolina team that did not look great uh, defending the the, the uh, shorter passes. So I don't think it'll move above that three line. And uh, I, I think Arizona's a live dog this week in the total here at forty six and a half. Of course, they're hosting Carolina this week. You know, like you, we didn't mention the other line for that New Orleans at Seattle, which was, of course, the Drew Brees, uh thumb injury. And he's going to be out for at least six weeks, they said. That went from a pick'em to at Seattle is favored by four and a half, and the total went from fifty to forty-five and a half. So those are the other the two big injuries with the two, of course, Hall of Fame future Hall of Fame quarterbacks this week.
1: Where do you see the Saints uh, in the absence of Drew Brees? Because their situation is a little more interesting because they do have Teddy Bridgewater, who's getting paid seven million dollars this year. Uh, so he's a nice little insurance policy for them that they should have some faith in. He's a, a pretty decent quarterback, uh, and they do have Taysom Hill. It's just different styles of quarterback. It's definitely, obviously, you're never going to replace Drew Brees, but they do have a serviceable backup. Uh, do you like the Saints uh, still with all the talent uh, around the quarterback position?
2: I like them in this one. I think I think this is way too big a uh, line movement. I, the number one uh, backup quarterback as far as uh, pay was Teddy Bridgewater. Good thing they did that. Aussie, Aussie, like you said, Hall of Fame coach Sean Payton and Taysom Hill will take, some, uh, of course, some pressure off him because he can play in pretty much any position. And I just think this is way too much. I thought it should be about three. And I think I still would give New Orleans. I think New Orleans is a really good team. They have a ton of talent. They can really run the ball. I think uh, Seattle's looked good, but not great. I mean, remember, they had to hold on without Big Ben for the whole second half and almost lost that game at Pittsburgh after being up early, I think New Orleans a live dog this week.
1: Right, and I think Seattle didn't they they didn't cover against the the Bengals, did they?
2: Uh, no, the Bengals you know had a shot late to even uh, even win outright. So that's uh, to me, I just don't think they've looked good against. I think two average teams. The Bengals obviously looked terrible this week. Uh, the Steelers have not looked good in either of their games. Uh, at least you could say definitely didn't look good against uh, New England. So I think New Orleans is the better team here, and I think they're a live dog
1: right i thought that saints uh rams game that was really fun to watch i don't know if some of the saints defenders just couldn't tackle well but some of uh the rams receivers after the catch that was really fun to watch uh i just forgot his name uh cooper cup uh they had several yeah. guys that made incredible plays that was a fun game to watch especially if you didn't have any money on it which i didn't so but, it was actually and fun that's to too watch. bad that <laughs> Too bad
2: Drew Brees went down in that one because that one would have been a lot closer game, a much different right. outcome if Drew Brees and you know, or, or if Teddy Bridgewater had a full week of practice to come into it. So, but the other two big line moves just to get to us. So, the Giants at Tampa Bay moved from four uh, to six and a half, which isn't a surprise, of course, with the news that Eli Manning isn't guaranteed to start this week. So, who knows what's going to happen there. Denver at Green Bay, interesting move from six and a half to eight. So, off the key number of seven, through the key number of seven. Um, kind of surprising even though uh, Green Bay has looked good the first two weeks on defense off that key number is uh, pretty tough against a very good Green Bay or a very good Denver defense
1: right I was going to say Denver's defense has at least looked really good Uh, we've got a minute and a half left let's talk this Monday night football game Uh, Browns Jets Jets are the dogs in this one by quite a bit who are you taking
2: this one, I, my top play is on the side tonight, so you can get that, of course, at picksandparlays.net. But I do think the under is a very good uh, play tonight. The under's at forty-five and a half. Just remember, before the Browns allowed all those points late, it was basically because they were turning the ball over. Jets defense looked really good last week. I think the uh, the under here is a very very solid play. Let's take the under forty-five and a half as our free play, and uh, don't forget you can get my best play over at picksandparlays.net on the side.
1: Uh, just a couple other notes for that game. Uh, CJ Mosley and Quinn and Williams both out for the Jets defense so keep that in mind CJ Mosley a big part of their defense when we come back from the break uh, we'll talk baseball because there's plenty of baseball left to win money on we're back after the break on picks and parlays radio and we are back here on picks and parlays radio on the sports byline broadcast network and also streaming live on Twitter YouTube, and Facebook, all of those social media platforms. And if you want to join us that way, search Picks and Parlays on any of those, and you should find us pretty easily. Right now, let's get to some baseball because it's still baseball season. We still have two weeks left in the regular season, and still a lot of interesting games that you can make money on. We've got Sean Higgs joining us. Uh, hello, Sean. I like your shirt.
3: Well, thank you. Thank you very much,
1: Chels. I like need your, to get me one of those. I, I like your, your necklace. I knew everybody said something today. God forbid I accessorize. Uh, I was, how was your weekend? I was going to accessorize with my gold necklace. <laughs> how was your weekend? Uh, was, how were your bets?
3: Uh, college football was great, 7-1. Had a nice oh, wow. college football run. Yeah, had a big big college football day. Uh, NFL split out, but I did have my top play on the Rams, and uh, also Denver got there. So small winning day there, even though it was a 500-day, but... That's a grind. What
1: are you going to do, you know? You don't sound that enthused for a decent weekend because I feel like a lot of people lost money on college football this weekend.
3: No, college was pretty good to me. NFL, though, you know, I had uh, the Vikings. I was high on the Vikings, and that's a game they should have won at worst. That push, you know, a push on that at worst. You get a stupid penalty, and it backs you out of going for two. Just, you know, they outplayed Green Bay the entire game except for the first 10 minutes, um, so that's, you know, take a bad loss like that's annoying, I had the Steelers, and, you know, that's, all right, you lose Roethlisberger, but they just couldn't get Seattle off the field, you know, that's a, just a couple games, you just, that's, if you're gonna have a super year, and hit like a 70 or 75 percent clip, you gotta, you gotta get lucky on a couple of those things, and I just didn't get the break, so it looks like it's gonna be another grind them out, 60 percenter, and, uh, I, I just, I'm just down on that. You know, you want to. Sw- <laughs> I, I put a game out. I, I think it's a winner, no doubt. So when you, you have a, t- a tough game and it loses, it's, it sucks life out of it. even off even off a good day of, of college. Where my my own loss of college was Alabama, and oh, the didn't cover that, eleven seconds, and that was off, a so garbage that, you know, time touchdown. So that's, you know, I mean to go down like that. It's one day. Every day is a new day. You got to right. behind you, move on. We got a little baseball tonight. We got the Monday night football game. We got lines already up for week three and, th- uh, week three and four of NFL and college. So, you know, time to move on, you know, to right. be a good week.
1: Yeah, I don't think you should be so down on yourself. It sounds like you did all right. You did better than it, Craig, it sounds like.
3: <laughs> it, you know, it's not the job. You just, listen, if I'm going to lose, just lose. But to, to lose in a, a, bad, a bad way, you know, just um, stupidness. Right. And when you're out playing some, you know, That's just a, those are just tough ones as well. I try not to watch the games. I'll go through the box scores and look at things (laughs) afterwards. I can't, I can't sit and watch them. That's not, you know.
1: It's funny how you remember those those bad beats when you're on the losing side, but you forget about them when they're on the winning side. And you're like, oh, piece of cake. You know, that's how I thought it was going to be drawn up. Yeah, Um, like a win
3: is a win. Whether it's by a half a point or 40, I just figure that's a win. I don't care how it gets there. But the losses are, you remember every loss. That's for sure.
1: Of course. All right, so let's move on to our topic of baseball. Uh, let's start off with the Padres at the Brewers. The Brewers are favorited in this one, uh, minus 155. Garrett Richards is making his Padres debut after coming off of Tommy John's surgery for the Padres. Uh, so that means he's been gone for a little less than 14 months. So interesting start for him he is limited to 60 to 65 pitches he's going against Zach Davies of the Brewers nine 97377 ERA uh initial thoughts on this one
3: well you know this time of year you get these a lot of big lines now because teams have all but given up and you got teams in the hunt like here with Milwaukee and 155 usually 160 this is about the top tiers I'm going to go with favorites but I have to like Milwaukee here. One, they're a game back in wild card, three back in St. Louis for the division, a game back in the Cubbies, 9-10, and 13 of the last 17 winners in their pocket. Big game for them. You have to knock out San Diego. You send uh, Garrett to the hill here, off Tommy John surgery. His five starts in the minors coming into us, a 10.60 60 R-8, nine innings, 12 hits, 12 runs, 11 walks, uh, th- excuse me, 13 walks and 11 case. So, and I can't get behind that kind of pitching. He's going to get shelled in four innings. Brewers is a big lead. And again, this is playoff baseball. They they want to do something. You got to crush a bad pitcher like this and a team that's basically out of the, out of the playoff hunt. So the Brewers here. It's the only way I can look at it to get it done.
1: Well, if you're looking from that standpoint, the Brewers certainly do have something to play for. Uh, Only three games back from the Cardinals for the division and one game back from the Cubs for the second wild card in the National League. So they're definitely playing for something. And as you mentioned, they're really hot right now. They've won 9 of 10, as you said. And also yesterday, they had a 7-6 win over the Cardinals with a grand slam coming from Ryan Braun, uh, which is big considering that Christian Yelich is now out for the season. That's a big blow to their lineup. But it's nice to see uh, how their players have stepped up in his absence. Uh, Any other thoughts on this one? Uh, Other lines or uh, sides you'd consider? Well,
3: Possibly the over here at nine. The Brewers' bullpen is shaky. So, you know, Davies, who knows what he's going to give us, five, six innings. So I can see an over possibly being a play because, as I said, you hit a nice – Grand slam, a big win over your your division rivals in St. Louis, a, a team you despise. So, you know, maybe they're a little flat, I guess. I mean, I don't see how you're flat when you're, you know, 13 or 14 and you're playing for the postseason. But, you know, stranger things has happened, so there could be some runs scored here. I just don't think uh, Garrett Richards could give us anything out of the Padres out of the ball. So that's why I'm leaning on the Brewers uh, to win the game out right here, anyway, without the run line or anything else. But if you want to look at the run line, uh, excuse me, the total a little bit, I could see that going over just based on maybe they're a little flat off that big series and they could, you know, Padres could put a couple runs up. But otherwise, I think the Brewers get it done easily.
1: Right. And the Padres pitching staff has just given up uh, 30 combined runs. Uh, maybe it was even more than that. Oh, it was at least 10 runs in each of their last three games uh, against. The Rockies, which obviously it's hard to pitch well in Denver, but still a lot of runs. Uh, So who are you taking in that one, the Brewers?
3: Brewers, Brew Crew, and I think it's up to that 160 now. So it's creeping up. I think people are wise to the red-hotness of Milwaukee.
1: All right, let's move on to the White Sox and the Twins. The Twins are still playing meaningful baseball. They are uh, in the lead when it comes to the AL Central. The White Sox, not so much kind of out of it they've got reynaldo lopez on the mound for them today uh 9 and thirteen, five three five era he is 0 and 3 with a 747 7 era at target field this season so not a place he likes going jose barrios on the mound for the twins 12 and eight, three six three era uh he had a nice little bounce back uh, outing last week against the nationals seven scoreless because before that he was having a bit of a rough patch but um who you like in this one
3: so you see he's had seven scoreless coming in, and his ERA is still a 664 his last seven starts. So that's why they push this guy back. Maybe he's getting a little winded. He's still young. Maybe he's stretching out his arm a little bit. I can't lay 230 with the Twins. Even a 125 on a run line is is an iffy proposition for me. I'm looking at the over 9.5, simply because Barrios, he could be tired. You know, that's he had a good out-and-great, but they did sit him. He gets an extra day's rest. The 664 ERA last seven starts. You know, that tells me he's hit, hit, you know, people are hitting him. The White Sox are a scrappy bunch. Not that they're going to mail it in, but they're going to want to be a little bit respectable here. You know, the players still have uh, contracts and intents for them to, to to achieve. And Lopez, as you said, a 747 ERA here at Target. His last seven, a, a 560 ERA and a 280 batting average against, that's terrible. Brewers, I mean, or excuse me, Brewers, the Twins. <laughs> crank out home runs on, on a record hit pace as the Yankees do. So the nine and a half here, I, do we make it goes over? I can't lay 230 on a fave here with a guy with a, a, a six ERA the last two months of baseball. That's definitely out of the picture. So over nine and a half is where we're leaning tonight.
1: Right. And the White Sox have had a, a bit of control issues when it comes to their rotation and their bullpen. They have the third highest walk rate in all of baseball, which kind of spells trouble when, as you mentioned, the Twins are a home-running team, a home-run hitting team, because if you give some free, free passes, that's base runners, and that means two- or three-run bombs, uh, from yeah. the Bomba Squad, the Twins. The Bomba Squad, I like that. That's what they yeah, call I themselves.
3: Mean, well, you know, you talk about the walkway to the bullpens and stuff like that, but that is, it's just a league-wide problem. The, the, the pitching, you, know, you talk about not having... Great starting quarterbacks in the NFL. The pitching in Major League Baseball is as bad. I think that's as bad as the problem. I mean, you really well, only have. Well, have you heard about you this little
1: problem called juice balls? It's a thing. Yeah.
3: Exactly. I, I, yes, but you still have some good pitchers who are still pretty solid. I mean, these mediocre pitchers are just get hammered. It's terrible. like the. It's. I don't, what's the answer to that? Contraction? Are going to get rid of six teams, which would be the only way to maybe make uh, the league a little more competitive because it just seems you have half the teams tanking. I mean, you have a team in every division that is so far out of it. It's a joke, you know?
1: Well, I mean, that's normal baseball. I think that it's like that every year. You have a couple teams uh, that are losing 100 games a season, and the Astros were like that not even too long ago. So, I mean, you can rebuild, and it's not – all bad, but it's just its just the way baseball is. It's not like football where it's meaningful games every week and the parity is a little different because some of these teams, uh, their salary cap, I mean, there's not a salary cap. These teams yeah. can spend a whole lot more, and that's why we see a lot of these no, teams.
3: I just, you know, even with a team like the Dodgers, they got bullpen issues. They're not like a solid bull. The, the, It's just a lot of mediocre and guys who just get hot every once in a while. I don't know. It's just the bullpens are, especially this year with the home run ball. The overs are just out of right. control. Right.
1: All right. Real quick, we've got 40 seconds. Mets, Rockies.
3: Over, 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 over. Mets <laughs> at home is great. 194 ERA. Listen, on the road though, 291 batting average against. He's terrible on the road. And you mentioned uh, the Padres at Colorado. 15 runs, 21, 18, and 13. These games in Colorado. So again, bad bullpens. You got some home run hitters. Thirteen and a half half like the old days back here with Dante Bichette and uh, Galarraga at the Helmellas-Burks days for Colorado. <laughs> All over, right, over.
1: we've got to wrap it up. That's our baseball segment. We're back after the break with college football. Welcome back to Picks and Parlays Radio here on the Sports Byline Broadcast Network and also streaming live on Facebook, Twitter, and YouTube. If you search Picks and Parlays, we're really easy to find if you want to tune in that way. Uh, right now, let's get to some college football because – it's a lot of fun stuff happening in college football, and despite this weekend where a lot of people lost some money, there are some people who are winning. Tony, how are you? How would you do this weekend when it came to college football? Yeah.
0: Well, a little bit of mixed results. I was happy with my performance on a rapid-fire Thursday going 5-1, but my premiums, well, just 1-2. USC and Alabama defense let me down, the garbage touchdown. And, of course, USC, Chelsea, they're just not at the level of the Utes and Huskies in the Pac-12 uh, I like the offensive coordinator and Graham Harrell, but the defense just needs to be better. I thought Keating Clovis telegraphed his passes. And uh, remember, he's a freshman. I do see upside from this Trojans offense, but I think there will be a coaching change. Wouldn't be surprised if they pursued Jack Del Rio in the offseason.
1: Hmm. Always interesting stuff at USC. Uh, hopefully they don't do it to Clay Helton like they did Lane Kiffin and do it at the airport. <laughs> was- no, I think they would let him play it out. <laughs> All right, so let's get to some of these games. Uh, let's start with the Thursday game: Houston to Lane. Uh, Houston is one and two, but they have covered uh, as underdogs in both of those losses. Tulane is two and one with their one loss coming to Auburn on the road, twenty-four to six. Uh, initial thoughts, uh, and what's the line on this one? Yeah,
0: with the line opened at three. I went to the gym, came back, and I saw the line moved to Tulane minus five. So, uh, and then the total here at sixty and a half. I can understand that Tulane is an experienced defensive team. And I do like the Tulane side here at minus five. Uh, They've shown well holding opponents at 276 yards a game. But Chelsea, it's the line play from Tulane. The offensive, defensive line, very good. You know, they held Auburn to just 24 points. Uh, That was a pretty good defensive showing. Uh, They have shown good movement of the football. They run the ball for 256 yards a game, averaging nearly six yards a carry. And that's Houston weaknesses, is uh, run defense. And Houston's uh, passing off is just not getting off here. They are a bit inexperienced here, but... I'm definitely looking here at the Tulane side.
1: Right. You mentioned that Auburn game. Uh, Tulane held Auburn to 20 yards of rushing in the first half. And I don't know if you attribute that to Auburn just being off to a slow start because, as we've mentioned on the show before, sometimes Auburn can play down to their competition. But still, as a matter of size, when it comes to the trenches, that's pretty impressive because that's an SEC team. Uh, And just to to compete and hold that that O-line, to that many rushing yards pretty impressive
0: yeah and that goes back to Willie Fritz how he's building up those lines there a line play there for Tulane and uh, well Houston you know one and two coming off at home loss to Washington say really much really a sloppy game but you know what gets me here with Houston is their issues defensively they get up nearly 500 yards a game allowing nearly five and a half yards to carry on the ground and of course they are an inexperienced defense with only four starters back and in the passing game which was supposed to be a strength only 55 percent completion rate so I I see Tulane at home here being able to cover this one. Uh,
1: what about Houston? What are some of the things that might uh, be a cautionary tale when betting against Houston? Because they have played some close games. Uh, their last game, Washington State, a 31-24 uh, loss in which they covered. Are there any threats from Houston you see?
0: Yeah, I'm looking here at Derek King, the quarterback. An experienced quarterback can make plays with his feet, um, again, the issue I have with him this year is the fact that he just hasn't been accurate with the football. And um, even against Prairie View, it wasn't, wasn't even an FCS school. They didn't really, really showcase a lot of offense there. But uh, I think I really think here that uh, look, looking at, at this Tulane side, I think they they have the the benefit here, uh, right there at the line play, offensive and defensive line. And I think uh, Tulane should be able to uh, master, uh, control the line of scrimmage.
1: Also, something for Tulane. Almost no starters played in the second half in their last game. So they should be fresh despite a short week. Meanwhile, uh, Houston had that close game with Washington State uh, where all of their starters were definitely playing because it was a close game.
0: That's true. And, of course, sometimes when you have a defense like Houston, you can make offensive like Tulane look really good. And that's usually what happens with Houston who, who really hasn't really, you know, they haven't stopped anybody here for the past several seasons.
1: Right. All right, let's move on to Tennessee and Florida. It's the third Saturday in September, and that's a big rivalry game. It used to be a lot closer, but now it seems like Florida is running the table. They've won 13 of the last 14 against the Vols. Not great for the Vols. And, of course, you know, Tennessee's had a tough season so far uh, with losses to Georgia State and BYU. They did win this week against Chattanooga but um, i know florida's favored by 14. anyway tennessee covers in this one
0: well of course if florida makes mistakes i think in this game the site really matters uh playing there in the swamp of florida i have to look at the florida side here laying the 14 the total here is at 50 i really don't have much opinion on the total of course the gators do lose their quarterback Philippi franks for the season there were question marks about franks even winning the job coming into the season because uh, there were a couple other quarterbacks that were vying for the job. One of them is a backup in Kyle Trask who engineered that wild comeback in a 29-20 own win against Kentucky. And Kentucky, a team that was supposed to be rebuilding, but they look like they have some quality there, even though losing, missing their starting quarterback. Uh, but Trask, a uh, pocket presence. Uh, he was uh, 9 of 13, 126 yards in the win. You know, And, of course, the junior signal caller did see some limited work last year. But, again, you look at the defensive side of the football, Gators very good. Uh, volunteers have struggled this year home losses to Georgia State them 38 points then of course that overtime loss to BYU volunteers very inexperienced on the offensive line again this is a game where I think it's will be decided here on the lines Florida's offensive defensive line just stronger than Tennessee
1: I'd honestly be interested to hear what Florida fans think about Felipe Frank's not playing because obviously we never root for anybody to get hurt uh, but Felipe Franks has been a bit of a roller coaster. Sometimes he shows all this talent and potential, and then other times he's throwing picks in the end zone that are really bad. Uh, do you think Kyle Trask is that much of a downgrade?
0: Don't think so. Uh, the, the word here on, on uh, Felipe Franks is in the step-up games, and the big games, he's come up short. I think that's what really frustrated Florida Gator fans is for them to get to that next level. They need a quarterback that can take him there. Uh, when I see it with Trask here, I think he's got definitely the, the arm strength, uh, to, to help them here. But in this game here, I, I just look at the fact that Tennessee has just have, they just have a lot of problems here. You know, when you give up a 38 points to, to Georgia state, it tells me there's some problems there on the offensive line, uh, the defensive line, uh, just giving up a lot of yardage there. And I think this is where, you know, the site matters here. I think Florida coming with some momentum off that nice comeback win last week with, with the backup coming in and lead them to victory. I think they can roll that, use that here to get the win and cover.
1: Okay. So I've got to ask, do you think those be- those losses are as bad as they look for UT because at least for BYU, uh, BYU beat USC this weekend. You know
0: that is true, but the loss by Tennessee was at home, and uh, right. the BYU game was uh, it was they were at home for that one. Of course, the USC using a freshman quarterback, but uh, I think I think it hurts more, especially there in SEC country for recruiting. Uh, there's a recruiting war in that part of the country, as you know. Uh, that's not going to look good but when you're out there trying to bring in talent. Uh, for Tennessee if you know facing the likes of you know the Alabama's the Georgias and all the good teams there in the SEC but I think that that loss is going to hurt. I think in, in the situation there with USC I think everybody knows a coaching change is imminent and I I think uh, I think USC will be able to recover from that
1: loss. Something I also worry about Tennessee on their side is the mental aspect because Florida has really dominated them. Uh Tennessee hasn't beaten UF in Gainesville since 2003. That was a long time ago, and if you remember, uh, I'm from Nashville, so I have a lot of UT UT fans around me. <laughs> Peyton Manning never beat Florida in his storied career at Tennessee, so it seems like Florida really has Tennessee's number.
0: Yeah, they do, and, and they just haven't really been able to, to recover. Uh, you go back to when Peyton Manning was quarterback back then. You know, They haven't really been a really – a dominant football team for some time now, and you would think after several coaching changes things would turn around for them. But I remember that Lane Kiffin situation there didn't didn't help the team either. But uh, it just just uh, I just see some upside with this Florida Gator team, and I think the quarterback change may help them because it takes a lot of the you know it takes a lot of the pressure off them because you know they always say well you really can't get over the top of Philipe Franks. Well now you got your guy Kyle Trask in here who's a pocket passer with a presence in there, and maybe maybe he could be the one to get them into into the SEC title game.
1: Right. The only thing that concerns me about laying 14 points with Florida, uh, four of the last five meetings have been decided by 10 points or fewer. Uh, granted, last year it was 47-21, so not a close game. But do you worry about 14 points being too much?
0: No, you always worry about that. But the thing here is I've, if I was on the underdog in this game, I'd rather have Tennessee at home. Uh, I just think, as I, like I said in the beginning, I think the site really matters in this game for a, really a struggling Tennessee team. Uh, just the emotion share of the team coming off that spirited win at Kentucky, which was a fight. I mean, they were fighting life and death in that fourth quarter They get the win over against a Kentucky team that showed better than I thought they were. This was supposed to be a rebuilding team uh, for, the, for the Wildcats, but they showed very well in that game. I was very impressed with how that team looked. And, of course, the Gators making that fourth quarter comeback. I just think they're going to carry that momentum into this one.
1: All right, should be an interesting game. Let's move on to Washington at BYU. Washington favored minus five and a half in this one. They're two and one on the season Uh, coming off this week. A win over Hawaii, 52 to 20, where they did cover. Uh, BYU, of course, had that win over Tennessee and a win over USC uh so tough competition on the schedule for BYU their first game of the season they played a really tough Utah team they did lose 30 to 12 but they won two games as outright underdogs they won them outright so uh where are you leaning on this one
0: BYU and Washington here Washington opened a six and a half point favorites come down to five and a half with a total of 49 you know Washington did rebound after that loss to California with the the nice win to Hawaii but uh Really, I'm going to look here at the side with Washington Huskies minus 5.5. I put Washington up at that elite category with Utah in the Pac-12 conference. I think USC is sort of a middling team. Uh, Offense and upside, defense an issue. But I think this Huskies team, especially this Chris Peterson team, he will have these Huskies ready to play. And uh, remember, they have allowed 18 points a game or fewer the past three seasons and into this season. So the defense has really shown up for the Huskies. This is a totally different program than USC. Washington defends – USC talks about it, but they don't do it. So BYU is going to face a team that's going to be really strong on both sides of the football, offensive and defensive lines. I think they're going to wear them down a little bit. This is kind of a tough emotional letdown here. you got the coach you know, doing a rap dance in, in his locker room. Everyone's feeling good about themselves. They're high and mighty. This sets up kind of like one of those college basketball emotional letdowns, one of those uh, tear down the goalpost games. Well, I think this is this going to happen at BYU where they, they suffer a bit of a letdown in this one.
1: Well, BYU has had an emotional season so far. They had the Holy War, and then they had two really, really close games uh, over big opponents that they were not supposed to win over. Uh, so I'm just wondering if their mental juice has just run out.
0: That's possible, too. And, you know, I can't get that game against Utah out of my mind. I mean, this was a, a well-coached team. Uh, I, I, let's face it, I think Utah and Washington are in a collision course to meet for the Pac-12 title game again this year. And uh, I just can't get that, that game out of my mind where Utah just kind of dominate the, the BYU Cougars. And I think Washington comes in off that, uh, you know, good defensive team. And uh, remember, Cougars were helped a little bit by USC in that game. You know, the, the freshman quarterback with three interceptions, let's face it, he was telegraphing his passes. And, um, you know, the, the Cougars' defense better than USC's defense. I think that's where you see the difference. Right. And I and think all people they do, the Cougars, you know, the Cougars they are not stopping the run. And that's what got that concerns me here, because if, you know, if, if, you know, Washington gained five yards a carry, it opens up their offense. And when you look at uh, the Cougars, they're not running the ball very effectively. And I don't like being in down and distance against a Chris Peterson defense.
1: Right. As you mentioned, Washington was a hot team uh, to win the Pac-12 this season. So a lot of hype and a lot of talent with that team. So I I see why people like Washington uh, here. Do you see it being a close game, though? Because five and a half—I mean, it's at some point. Yeah. it's not a I huge think of, yeah, spread. Yeah, you but... know, I'm
0: kind of going against the money because it opened at six and a half. So there are some big people betting. You know, the professionals are betting on BYU this week. You know, because it went from six and a half to five and a half uh, today. And uh, yeah, there are some believers on the, that BYU Cougars team. But I, again, I, I look at I look at the Washington side mainly because I like their. I think there's it's not the same program as USC. They're still ahead of USC. And again, as like you said, they've been involved in a lot of. Emotional games has Utah, but again, I should say BYU, but again, I just can't get that Utah game out of my mind here. Utah was able to to beat BYU in a rivalry game in BYU.
1: All right. Those are college football picks. As always, thanks, Tony T., for joining us. We're back after the break on Picks and Parlays Radio. And welcome back to Picks and Parlays Radio on this Monday afternoon here in Las Vegas. We We always want to thank you, For watching and listening if you want to join us for more we're here every day 1 Pacific 4 Eastern on the Sports Byline broadcast network and also Facebook Twitter and YouTube if you want to see the face behind the voice we had a great show today with plenty of picks to get to and we're gonna recap them right now just in case you weren't paying attention we got you covered starting with baseball picks from Sean Higgs Padres at Brewers, taking the Brewers, minus 155. White White Sox at Twins, taking the over, nine. Uh, Mets at Rockies, taking the over at 13 and a half. And our college football picks with Tony T. Houston at Tulane, the Thursday night game, taking Tulane, minus five in that one. Tennessee at Florida, a big rivalry game that Florida has dominated As of late, taking the Gators minus 14, Washington and BYU taking Washington minus five and a half. And those are picks for the day. We didn't have any NFL picks. I think we did the Monday night game uh, on Friday, but it should be, uh, I'll say interesting because it is a bit of a dumpster fire game with the Browns and the Jets. The Browns, of course, coming off. The 30-point loss to my Titans, who lost this weekend. (laughs) Of course they did. They lost to the Colts. Uh, So that was fun. Uh, And the Jets have a whole lot of injuries, including Sam Darnold, who is out with mono, of all things. We'll see if Trevor Simeon can fill in, notably, in his place. But they're also missing C.J. Mosley and Quinn and Williams from their defense, which I think makes a bigger difference uh, than the quarterback position. We'll be back tomorrow afternoon at 1 Pacific 4 Eastern here on Picks and Parlays Radio. Bet, win, repeat. We'll see you tomorrow on Picks and Parlays Radio.
0: Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop.